everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Hi everyone, welcome to Writing Works Wonders. I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Kathy isn't with us today because she's feeling under the weather and she sends her best. She will be with us next time when we have best-selling author Tracy Peterson with us. Today is a supercharged open mic, and we have a lineup of very talented people. For those of you who did not pre-register, not to worry, we will have plenty of time to get you in the queue. Once we go through the pre-registered names, Chanel will then ask you to raise your hand. So without further ado, I'm going to be turning this over to Chanel. And I know first up is Marlene. Welcome. All right, Marlene. Okay, I will first give you my prompt from last week for today. Behind the shower curtain. This is a loud poem. Behind the shower curtain appeared to be a phenomenon shrouded in mystery. Hear hollow thunks like hoarse hoof beats, sometimes even little squeaks. Undefinable shapes sprout and disappear. Swish, thud, are ghosts lurking in the tall hot tub? No sound of swish flash, glimpse plenty of dash as flashes of different colored fur streak by, curious, ambitious, rambunction high. Nay, look, catch a peek of kittens jumping at play, not unique. This next one is Jasmine's Journey. It's a ballad. Jasmine had a plan to journey to go visit her granny. She wanted some of Granny's homemade jam for her peanut butter and jelly sandwich was the plan. She just knew that homemade apple jelly would sit so nicely in her then full tummy. The only problem she could see was that she was only three. Maybe she could ask Jasper their cat. But he might not know the way back because her mommy was taking a nap and she couldn't hold mommy's hand. That was a fact. Maybe she could ask Jinx their dog. He was definitely no slog. He was smart and knew a lot of tricks. Maybe that was how to the problem fix. Jasmine knew she had to try. Come on, Jinx, let's go, she cried. Her little hand reached for the kitchen door. She was ready to turn the knob and more. Jasmine did not notice the fragrant smell enveloping from behind her with quiet stealth. She heard as the doorknob started to turn. Where are you going? A cry of concern. Jasmine turned 
to find mommy standing there. Was that angry look a glare? Jasmine answered truthfully. I wanted some of Granny's apple jelly. Mommy smiled, hugged her tight. Gran brought us some after you went to bed last night. Come sit by the table with Jasper and Jinx. I'll fix you a sandwich, you little minx. Again, thank you. Next up, we have Carol Mackey, and Cannon will be reading. Hi, this is Carol. I wanted to just thank you all for this opportunity for, and to thank Cannon for reading for me. I love it. Thank you. I won't, you can't. There are days that I don't want to, just because I don't. And I don't have to tell you the reasons that I won't. Now I feel much better. I love a little rant. I think it's kind of clever. And you can't say I can't. To Margate. There's something about the market. The farmer's kind, that is. Each thing has an extra newness that they all seem to bring. Like corn or just made yogurt, greens or herbal soap, all so full of freshness and bursting out with hope. Better, smaller. I was listening to a program about getting old and how we each appreciate it. There is really no mold. It appears our worlds are smaller, but it's apparently been found. We're just more selective about whom we want around. Not why, how. It really doesn't matter why someone asks for help. I don't need to know the why. I only need to know the how. What they do with my offering, I do not need to know, for it is only in my giving that I have anything to show. Thank you. Next, we will have Lisa. This is called I Smile When. So every line is I Smile When. I smile when I'm there for you. You give me a gift. My mood you can shift. You let me know I'm special. I see all our miracles. You do research for me. Your wants is all you see. I think of our pseudo names. I think of our fun and games. I think of beach paddleball. I think of this coming fall. I think of beach frisbee. I see how we are free. I see how we love life. I see there is no strife. You come to stay over. We sing Wild Rover. You call me on the phone, we eat Carvel twist comb. You leave me a goofy voicemail. You don't move around like a snail. Around the house, you help me. I can just be me and free. I think how you really care. You ask me what shirt to wear. You say, thank you. I think of you. You spew movie lines. You are feeling fine. I think of your force field and your tongue down my throat how I get your goat. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we will have Katie followed by Patty Fletcher. This is No Goodbyes. I would sit beside your bed, wires and tubes to keep me company, give you the best performance of my life with the steady beat of a heart monitor as background noise to my self-made audiobook. I would play you song after song, let the notes saline drip and settle into our bones. 
I would show you the scar on the arch of my foot, tell you that it made me think of you, show you how well your old black and green field jacket fits on my shoulders. I would dig through the years, show you the things of yours I hold on to. Um, and then this next one is called Apocalypse Town. Um, when the world is ending, I'll have the perfect playlist. Await the post-apocalyptic neon silence with a soundtrack of my own creation. Push through the depths and desperation thinking, this is where I die in the movie. Await the end of the world not knowing what it will be. Atomic bombs, zombie outbreak, robot uprising, you know the works. And my death would be a cinematic masterpiece. This world ended a while ago, but this desolate town is much more bearable now. Thanks. Thank you. Next up, we have Patty Fletcher. Hi, I am Patty L. Fletcher. I am releasing on October 31st a book called The Blended Lives Chronicles, Sides of the Order. In Blended Lives Chronicles, we learn about a federation which hopes to bring forth a world where beings of all types can live in peace and harmony. They know it will not be easy. The government has just been put in place. There are still many who are against this and wish for a perfect world where all disabilities and minorities are cleansed away for all time. This is something which has taken place again and again throughout the centuries and still takes place today. I came upon this idea during the 2016 elections. I asked myself, what would happen if we really did unite as one? Now, in 2023, the Blended Lives Chronicles Size of the Order asks, how can this be done and who is really right? How do we know? What could happen if we all learned to live in a society where everyone was accepted? The Blended Lives Chronicles, Sides of the Order Lady Leia Moonwalker is a well-respected author and magazine owner and a high priestess in the magical community. After a drawn-out battle with the forces of dark magic, she has come into her own. She lives and works on Planet Corponius, where she is the owner and creator of an interplanetary magazine called Blended Lives Chronicles. Her mission is to blend the lines of race, creed, and disability that separate so many and to elevate the recognition of the training and ability of service animals of all kinds to a new level. She has just been accepted into the Blended Lives Federation and now hopes to continue her work in a way like nothing known to her before. Leia has created a lot of wreckage along the way through her dark journey into the light, and now she wishes to set this to right. She has just received her best break ever. Frank Prince, the CEO of the Blended Lives Learning Center, has invited her to the Celtic New Year Convention and Witches Ball as a reporter to write a story on the progress of the Blended Lives Planetary Federation. She will be their guest speaker at the opening ceremonies. When Leia arrives at the Celtic Convention, she finds herself face-to-face -face with an old and dear friend, Blended Lives Learning Center instructor and member of the Order of the Night, Derek Gibbous. As they begin to connect, causing old sparks to reignite, they are tossed into a nasty battle from which not everyone will escape. People are not as they seem, 
and not everyone supports the side for which they appear to work. As their love for one another grows, so does the battle. Despite everything, Leia and Derek are determined to see their work to unite beings of all kinds succeed. And now, I give you High, High Priestess, Priestess of, of Corponius, Lady, Lady Leia Moonwalker. Welcome. I'm High Priestess Lady Leia Moonwalker. I've come here to talk about the Blended Lives Learning Center and all the incredible work the organization does, and will, if allowed, continue to do. I'd like to begin by telling you about what the center means to me on a personal level. When I first came to what is now the Blended Lives Learning Center 12 years ago, I was nothing like what you see before you today. I was a frightened young witch who hadn't come into her powers. I was completely insecure, and I had no idea what awaited me when I arrived. I was overweight and lacking in self-confidence. I was such a mess, it still amazes me I was allowed into the program. In fact, I lied on my medical application the first time just so I could gain entry. I'll spare you the details of how I managed that. I've made a ton and a half of mistakes along my way, but had the center not come into my life when it did, I would surely have died long ago. The work the Blended Lives Learning Center is doing is priceless, but it isn't free. It is for that reason I do the work I do. While I can only speak to the psychiatric and dog guide portion, it is my deepest wish to see this type of training continue for centuries to come so that more beings like me can be reborn into what they're truly meant to be. If you want to learn more about this and all my other work, visit pattysworlds.com, P-A-T-T-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D-S dot com. Thank you for listening. May harmony find you and blessed may you be. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. And I think we're ready for raised hands. And first up, we have Carla. I'm going to read a little story. And it is a little autobiographical, but it's not written that day. It's called Election Day. It is Election Day. You hate Election Day. It's always the same. The grown-ups go to the gym of your school, and they punch tiny little holes into little cardboard cards called ballots and stuff them into a big steel box with a slot in the top. And somehow someone gets to be president or governor or someone who gets who has the authority to boss everybody around. But you can't vote. You're just a kid. Oh, you might have little elections in your classroom. You write the names on index cards with your Braille writer and stick them into a cardboard box with a slit in the top. But nobody pays attention to these elections because you're just a kid. And in the afternoon, you get to go to the gym and you spend all the quarters you have saved from your allowance since September on cookies and cake and Mrs. Johnson's delicious peanut butter fudge. Then you scarf down all the stuff. That's not so bad. But later that day and into the night, you get sick and you puke all over the floor and all over your clothes. And that happens every election day. It's always the same. That's why you hate election day. Now it's election day, November the 5th, 1968. This year, it's Richard Nixon and Hubert Humphrey running for president. You wish you could vote for Nixon because your your father's republic, your daddy's Republican. And you don't know anything about Hubert Humphrey, except that he isn't a camel 
because he is hump free. You don't want this election day to be the same as all other election days. So you mosey up to the health center to see Mrs. Lusco, the nurse. And you have the following conversation. Uh, hello, uh, Mrs. Lusco? Yes, honey. Are you sick? Why are you here? B because it's election day and I get sick every election day and and I puke all over the floor and I and I don't want to I don't want this to happen this year. Oh, I see. Well, I just happen to know why you get sick. What do you do every election day that you don't do every other day? I vote. Well, voting doesn't make you sick. What else do you do? Uh I and then I, I I go to the bake sale. Now we're getting somewhere. What do you do then? I eat cookies and cake and at least one piece of Mrs. Peanut Butter. I want you to choose just one sweet, okay? Then let's see if you still get sick. Ah, uh, oh no, just what? Just one. Okay. By the way. Why do they call this place the Hell Center? It's a nice place, not like hell where there are devils with pitchforks and lakes of fire and where you go when you're bad. <laughs> oh, honey, this is not the Hell Center. It's the Health Center. What's health? Oh, health is about uh, feeling good and getting sick and, and getting better. You know, things like that. Okay. Goodbye. The rest of the day starts out normal. You put your silly paper ballad in the silly paper box and the rest of the, with the rest of the kids. You go to the gymnasium. Here you have your own personal election day, but you don't have to stuff the ballot box. You have to make the choice. You must make a choice. You choose the fudge. It is so hard, but you choose the fudge. You eat it slowly. It is delicious. All day long, you don't get sick. You go to bed at night when you're supposed to, like the rest of the kids. All night long, you sleep soundly. No puking on the floor. The next thing you hear is the wake-up bell and the voices of your house mother and all the other kids you realize that it is November the 6th. Election day has come and gone. You have had your own personal election day. You made a choice that counted. You elected not to be sick. And oh, by the way, your man won. Richard Nixon will be the new president, at least for now. We will not have any humpless camels in the White House. And next up, we have Deborah. On the ground beside a horse. It was my first time actually feeling a horse. I remember as a young child, I was put up on the back of the horse and I was given a ride by two, two people, one on either side and one was leading the horse. Because this young child, who's totally blind, and also later finding out that she had 
dyslexia, finding out she had balance problems. Didn't understand all this at the time when I was when I was a little girl. But the horse just kept on walking. And when the horse stopped, I was told to give the horse a, a, a kick. Oh, so she started walking. While going to school years later, I decided I would take up horseback riding. And I thought that I would just be put up on the horse like I was when I was a little girl. Two people and one person leading the horse, one on either side to hold on to me. Well, was I in for a surprise. There was a kind couple that taught horseback riding to the blind and visually impaired students at the Ross McDonald School for the Blind, which I attended for 13 years of my life. And this couple insisted on us knowing about your horse, uh, standing beside the horse on the ground and and making sure that you do the, the right things for you and the horse to make it safe and comfortable for both you and animal. Mr. Craddock explained that when you work with a horse, you should work as a team, not as always showing who's boss. As horse, as horses are very respective and loving animals, they want to please you as a, uh, a, a dog would, a service dog, a guide dog, or any animal that is lovingly devoted to their master or, or mistress. So, Mr. and Mrs. Craddock taught us to groom the horses. And every time that horse shifted or moved a direction, I just about just wanted to hightail it and run get out of that barn. But oh, no, 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 weren't supposed to do that. You were going to be responsible of the caretaking and management of the animal. So I learned from there on that I could love and stand beside a horse. And I learned that working with horses was not always dangerous, like some said. Years later, more riding, more fear, more anxiety. Not really realizing that anxiety would be a part of my life. I would get frustrated with myself. And my teacher, my horseback riding teacher at the time, used to get frustrated with me because every time she asked me to do something or every time she would have me and the horse on a long lunge line. A lunge line is a long lead strap. Some of them are 30 feet long. This is a good training mechanism for horse and rider. This allows the instructor to keep control of the horse as the rider is learning how to manipulate and work the horse to the satisfaction of both rider and instructor. I was asked to my first lesson with my riding instructor. The stirrups were taken away from me. I only had a little handle on the saddle, which was great because I was made to sit on the horse while the horse trotted around and around and around. This was designed to help me find my center of gravity 
on the horse and in the saddle. For if I had the stirrups and people around me to baby me, I would not have learned to ride the way I could several years later. Doing so, several years later, I accomplished a dream. I was involved with the writing organization uh, in Toronto known as CARD, C-A-R-D, Canadian Writing for the Disabled. And I was instructed to do many things on the horse. But then as my independence grew, I felt that I was being kind of hemmed in because I was always put on a lead. There was no faith in my accomplishment as uh, as a writer simply because we had different writers in the class with diff- various different disabilities and if my horse inadvertently took off and bumped into another person there would be a catastrophe as some of the other disabled students were not quite as well balanced on their horse see they were just learning to become oriented with their horses and learning their center of gravity as I did so very, very long ago. Eventually, I won a trophy at the Canadian National Exhibition, which is known as the CNE in Toronto. Wow, I was ecstatic. Still nervous about not holding on to anything as we were taught English writing in our writing schools. This meant you had a very little saddle, not like the cumbersome Western saddle or the comfortable Western saddle. I prefer both. I prefer the Western, the Western style riding for rest and relaxation. I prefer the English style riding for good exercise becoming in tune to your horse and learning to feel the movements of the horse with my body instead of through the bit and bridle. So under all that anxiety, anxiety, I was able to trot around the ring with the other riders. But my riding instructor had a little trick up her sleeve. She was told she had to keep me on a lead. So good, good old Pauline, she was, she was wise. Always a good idea to follow your wise instructors. So she put me on a long, long lead where nobody could see the lead. I won the trophy because I had best control of my horse. Then years after I rode a 25K marathon on my horse, I accomplished my dream and there ends my story. And next up, we have Deanna. I think I'm unmuted, finally. Yes, you are. <laughs> All right. Um, I read this story and originally tired it, uh, titled it Property Values Go Down. And um, I cut it and trimmed it for the, a picture book class. But I really liked the whole story better than I did the picture book one because I think with a picture book, um, you give the outline of the story kind of, and then the, the real story is with the, your illustrator. And since I can't 
tell what they would be drawing. I don't think I really want to publish it as a picture book. So I'm sharing it today. It's um, so this is the original property values are down. Whack! A tennis ball whipped past Sassy's nose and ricocheted off the branch where she clung. Darn it! Humans make awful neighbors, she fumed. Sassy wrapped her fluffy squirrel tail around her trembling body. They have no consideration for those who already live where they choose to build their houses, commented Fern, folding his dark green fairy wings to alight beside his trembling friend. You're right, agreed Larkspur. They tore up the goldenrod, milkweed, dandelions, and buttercups to put in a tennis court, destroying valuable food sources for hummingbirds and butterflies and other pollinators. They have definitely brought the value of property in this neighborhood down. Don't even get me started about the noise and air pollution. She stormed, scattering fairy dust in a shimmering cloud as she fluttered in irritation on the branch of a nearby tree. The meadow they plowed under was such a magical place to dance in the moonlight on Midsummer Night's Eve, mourned Violet. We may have to move deeper into the forest, she sighed. I hope not, chittered Sassy. You fairies have been such good neighbors. We woodland creatures would miss you terribly. Hmm. Let's think about this, murmured Fern. What if we make it so unpleasant for them, they decide not to stay? The problem is, we are vulnerable to their chemical poisons, traps, and mechanical devices, warned Sassy. A vine growing near the trunk of Sassy's tree whispered, I believe they call me Poison Ivy because they're allergic to my oils. If you roll that tennis ball through my leaves until it's well coated, then if you please push it back toward their tennis court, I wouldn't want them to blame me. You can act as lookout, Sassy, and... Let us know if one of them is coming to look for their fuzzy menace before we're done, directed Larkspur. Oh, this could be fun, giggled Violet. Only if we don't get caught, warned Scat Sassy. Oh, this is hard work, rolling this ball away from the ivy. I think it needs to be at least 50 feet from where Sassy's tree is and, and visible from the tennis court, directed Fern. I can help, offered Golly Gopher, popping his head from his new home. They almost killed my family when they leveled the meadow for that tennis court. We barely made it out alive. I think it might be fun to run a few tunnels under it some night without connecting them to our new burrows that will teach them. We could drop a few interesting seeds in the flower beds, offered a banditry of chickadees. Things like blackberry brambles and goat's head weeds would make a lot of trouble for them. 
we could suggest to the mosquitoes that humans are really tasty, tittered Violet. And so the plot thickens. There you are. Oh, man, I hope you're going to uh, write that so then I can finish reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Deanna. That's great. Thank you. I love all your voices. Thank you. <laughs> There's Diane. Diane, you may unmute. Hello. Not one of my picture books, but it's a, a poem for children. I'd love to share it with you. It goes with a mosaic piece of art that I've made. It's 25 inches wide by 35 inches tall. It has my uh, Zap character on it. Reading a big giant picture book. It's framed in giant pencils with lightning bolts coming out of the tips. And there are a lot of little scenes within this image that are sort of scenes from inside the picture book. And so they're touched upon in the poem. So I just wanted to set the stage for that. And what I'm writing this poem for is I want to create a poster out of my artwork. And this is a poem to inspire kind of writing workshops in the primary grades, going probably second to fifth grade, maybe, is what I'm thinking. So I'll go ahead and get started. I hope I don't go over time. Uh, it's called Zap's Pencil Power by Diane Landy. Part one is Story Spell. A story takes us by the hand and leads us to explore lost jungle aisles and fairylands we've never seen before. On quests, we swim through waterfalls, climb snowy peaks, and fly. Some tales add tickles till we laugh some pain us till we cry. We hide in hugs when monsters lurk in shadows deep and dark. We cheer when clever penguin chick saves Papa from a shark. Sweet books can drift to drowsy dreams of falling star cascades. We slide from moons through candy clouds on cosmic float parades. A special kind of story is nonfiction that is true. Like how to knit, is burping bad? What eats a kangaroo? When you write a story, you become a king or queen. You rule the land that you create. You order every scene. You choose to yell or whisper, to tell truths or artful lies. Your words are stepping stones your subjects follow for a prize. Part two is writing wizardry. Your pencil holds the power of a wizard's ancient wand. With practice, you can send your friends to galaxies beyond. Oops. Oh, shoot. My uh, word decided to jump to different page. Sorry, hang on. Okay. Uh, shoot, I don't know where I left off. Uh, Start again. When writing tales, take readers' hands and lead them to explore the aims of crafted characters no one has met before. Their blunders make them lovable. Their struggles help them grow. Each chapter is a challenge with a flub or fear or foe. 
Your plot is action on the rise with each turn of the page. You sound and touch and smell details that thrill your reader's age. Your setting is the place you pick and time helps set the pace. A climbing tree, a castle, a wormhole race through space. The ending needs a character that's different than before. This change through self-discovery is at your story's core. The best loved books leave, some, leave people feeling something in their hearts, like awe or joy or empathy or zings of newfound smarts. Part three, Zap Secret Starters. A secret no one mentions is to write for girls and boys, or pals like Zap who love to learn about Earth's pets and toys. An outline is a handy map that keeps your tail on track. Without one, you may get so lost you can't find your way back. Another secret you should know is first drafts always stink, because your hands can't write as fast as speedy brains can think. Forget the rules on your first pass, just throw your visions down. Like lumps of clay, you'll shape your, you'll shape your words into a priceless crown. Snip and dump and carve and move. Play freely with your muse. Use power words, add talking bits, make tell show switcheroos. When ready, share your story with, through, with three earthlings that you trust. Their tips might make your story shine, so listen and adjust. If you get stuck, play brainstorm games or color for a while, or try again tomorrow till each sentence makes you smile. Ever wonder how to start? Just ask, what do I love? My soccer ball? My, that lucky fish? The spirit up above? What kind of stories do I like? Cute, cute woodland creature tales? A superhero saving seals, white why slime is trailed by snails, or fire-breathing dragons baking cakes with lemon curds. Zap. It's magic when your mind creates a world made out of words. Carol Mackey is going to read the prompt for us today. Talk about being put on the spot. That's right. That's okay. right, Carol Mackey. Come on, give I us some come. words. Can I have a second to think? It just went Done. by. Think. Okay. Ice cold, snuggly warm. Okay. That's a good. That's good. Ice cold, snuggly warm. Use that yep. any genre of your choice or poem or story. hundred words or less. Okay. Thank you. And thank you everyone for participating. Thank you for being here. This has been a wonderful time of talent. I hope you all look forward to listening to the edited podcast and share it with your friends, spread around the talent that is within our community. And thank you to Chanel and Brad for being with us and helping as always. Remember on November 3rd, Tracy Peterson will be with us. She's written over 100. And if you have never read Tracy, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Thank you, everybody, for being here with us. And remember, if you want to get in touch with us, go to our website at www.writingworkswonders.com. Our email is info at writingworkswonders.com.
we have a lot of information on our website. We have prompts. You don't have to do just the most recent. Go back and read all the others and join in with all of us. There's author pages. If you are an author and you're not up on our author pages, please feel free to go and look around and create your own page or give the information to Kathy. Thank you again, everyone, for being with us. And always remember, we want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder of writing. We look forward to being with you next time with our interview with Tracy Peterson. <laughs>you for joining us today on writing works wonders kathy and i are thrilled to spend time with you a tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show you can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com it'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today then you can sign up to receive the zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording you can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to the technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.